0: helps you to understand and experience the depth of God's love for you and the entire world. Thanks for listening. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son to condemn the world, but in order the world might be saved through Him. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Trust is hard, isn't it? You know, and yet we trust so many things every day. When you really think about what you trust, It never stops. I posted on Facebook this week as I was getting ready for the sermon, and I had asked people, What are things that you trust will happen or believe have faith will happen in order for you to get through your day? What everyday things will occur? And response after response came in. And it just almost was endless to the point your alarm clock would go off in the morning, right? Although sometimes you wish it wouldn't, it still does. But even things that you don't even think about, alarm clock goes off, you turn it off, you swing your feet over the side of your bed, you stand up. You're trusting the floor is going to hold you, right? You're trusting the nails that were put in there, whether it was five years ago, 100 years ago, are going to hold, and you're not going to fall through the floor. You trust, you don't think about it, but you trust it, don't you? Thank you, Molly's listening. At least that's one person. Every step you take, you're trusting that what you are stepping on will support you. You go to the bathroom, you go to the light switch, you flip it up, and what are you trusting? The light comes on. You turn on the sink, and you turn on the warm water, and what are you trusting? The water comes out. You go downstairs, you turn on the coffee maker, wherever you're Keurig, right? So Vicky's up before I, I'm really, I'm going to, I should have bragged on my wife first service when she was here. But I'll tell you now, right? She gets up before I do to go work out, which always leaves a, not disposable, a reusable Keurig cup full of coffee with the Keurig maker on. So all i got to do is push it down and press the button, and it starts. And I press those three buttons, small, medium, large. I press the large, and what do I trust is going to happen? A large cup of coffee. You know what's ironic about that? So we've had this Keurig coffee maker. I bet you three, four years, we make at least... Two cups a day, one for Vicky and I, almost every day. So that's, what, thousands of cups of coffee? Like twice, I have pressed that large button, and just a little bit has filled up, and it stopped. So what has happened to my trust for that Kira coffee maker? I don't trust it right on Molly. I still go over, and I wonder in the back of my mind, Is it going to be full? It doesn't matter that it's worked perfectly every other time besides that, right? These two times it didn't do what I trusted it to do, it's now there in the back of my mind. It failed. My family, and I told this story first service, I said, they do not trust me to put in air conditioners anymore in our house. We have had six in our two years here because I have broke 3 of them. And I'll tell you why. The first one, I was taking out, we had one in our bedroom. It fits right above our front door and it has a little porch, you know, so the roof over the porch and then goes down. So it was in the fall and I put it's a bigger one. I put my arm on the front of it to lift up the window, thinking I've been working out. I'm pretty strong. And it wouldn't fall out. And I'd be able to get my lift up and get my hand underneath. Did not happen quick enough in time. That tilts back. I try and grab it. So I grab the front part of it. It goes. And I literally am left there standing with the front part of the, of the uh, uh, air conditioner in my hands. And you see the cord. Right? And it. Air conditioner number one. Air conditioners number two and three happened at the same time. I was putting in the air conditioner in my daughter Olivia's room, which is upstairs, and her window is directly above the window where we put our air conditioner for the main floor. That one I got in just fine. Olivia's, though, I get in, I get the window down, it's a smaller one, not a big deal, right? Plug it in, check it to work, and I step back, and I see it's a little off-center from the window. So I want to adjust it back to the center. So I gently tap it to the side, actually I tapped it this way to get it more toward the middle. Evidently maybe the window wasn't all the way down. The air conditioner falls out and what is directly below that air conditioner? The other air conditioner. So there it goes, boom, boom. So you hear it hit the one below, then you hear it hit the ground and then I hear Vicky scream out, what are you doing? because Mike is over by the air conditioner the one downstairs, and she thinks he did something to cause it to go out the window. I come downstairs, and I look at Micah. What did you do? <laughs> no, I didn't. Fortunately, our window was not broke. I couldn't believe it. I could have seen the whole window go out. Right? Does my family trust me to say, if they ask, Dad, do you need help putting that in? If I were to say no, what would the reaction be? We're not even asking, we're helping. Because so often with the way we work, trust in our lives, the way it happens, we do something and we expect an outcome to occur. Would you agree with that? We do something, an outcome occurs. We do something, an outcome occurs. While I think we know God doesn't work that way, I think deep down we still think God does. Would you agree with me to that to some extent? As I posted on Facebook, what do you trust? And they said, God, you know, there was all these other responses too that came along with the day-to-day of people talking about God's love for them. And I think we believe that, and there's still an aspect of us in the back of our mind. We think if we do this, then God will do that. And you think about when are you're most likely to pray. What kind of prayers are you most likely to pray when you are praying? I, right? Out of desperation. And this doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray those things, right? Out of desperation that we, we have desperate desires, people are sick, people are my job, my marriage. That's not bad. But if that is what we believe, the basis of our prayer is, God, I need you to do this. And then what happens if we our marriage falls apart. What if we pray, God, I want you to save or cure or heal or whatever, and that person still dies? What if I need this job? God, give me this job. And we don't get it. If that is the premise for how we believe God works, what happens to our trust in God? We have a problem trusting, goes out the window. Bum, bum, well done, Bonnie. Wow, very nice. And we have a a problem with trusting God in this world, don't we? Because I think at the back of our mind, even for those of us who sit here, that is still the way we think God works at some level. It would be nice if it did, wouldn't it? We had this list, do this, do this, do this. Here's the outcome. Nicodemus is a Pharisee, a teacher of the Jews. That is his mentality of how God works. Pharisees, if you remember, they are a sect of Jewish people of the day who believe the Jewish people are under Roman occupation, Roman oppression, because they haven't followed the law well. If they would follow the law better, God would rescue them. If you do this, then God will do that. Right? See why maybe many people had a hard time understanding who Jesus was. There was a whole bunch of different expectations. Most of those early followers of Jesus didn't come from the Jewish um, religion, even though Jesus was Jewish. They came from Gentiles because they had different expectations of what Jesus was going to do and it was easier to fit fit into that. But here's the thing about God. It's not if we do this, then God does that. As a Lutheran understanding of Christianity, it is God has done this. What does that mean for my life? It does not mean everything will work out. Has everybody's life worked out perfectly for them so far? And she's only five. (laughs) Six. Sorry, Molly. She's six and she's learned that. God's promise is not everything will work out. God's promise is I love you and I will be with you despite how it works out. Does that make sense? Which is a lot harder, isn't it? Which means you wonder, God, where are you sometimes? Which means God is much more of a mystery in it. Notice Jesus' answer or reply to the conversation to Nicodemus. When Nicodemus wants more of a concrete thing, Jesus talks about the wind. No one knows from where it comes or where it goes. It's a mystery, isn't it? I think we need to understand... God is much more of a mystery than what we're willing to say because it is so much easier if God would just do those things that we want when we ask God to do them. And you can understand why we get angry, why we disbelieve when God doesn't do those things. We have the wrong expectations of God. That's not how God works. It is not... If we do, then God does. It is God has done. Now we simply respond. If we trust God's love for us, what does that mean for you in your everyday life? Right, We're talking about this whole theme that we have for Lent that I forgot to introduce. That is talking about everyday spirituality using Bishop Hazelwood's book that he wrote. Everyday spirituality. Trust is chapter 11 within that book. We want to see where is God working every day? How is God walking through with you in those moments when you turn on the lights, which the lights don't go on? Because we're all in the dark sometimes, aren't we? Yet our hope, our promise, our faith, our trust is God is with us during those times. So we really, in my opinion, while these words aren't bad, faith and belief, we really need maybe should be using the word trust more often. What? Who's a grammar person around here? Right? We have a few grammar. Right? What type of words are faith or belief? Nouns. What type of word is trust? Verb. Yeah. For me, it's a verb right now. You need to understand how I'm thinking and answer correctly. Right? But trust can be more of a verb. When our, we view it as a noun, faith and belief, do you trust God? Yes, I check out the box. It's more along those lines of, I have accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, right? I know who Jesus is. Now I get to go to heaven when I die. you see how that mentality is, I do this, then God does that for me? As opposed to, God loves me, the future is secure. Christ will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. How do I live? How do I trust that that is true? what does it mean for your everyday life to trust God's love for you? How would you treat yourself differently if you trusted God loved you? How would you treat other people differently if you understand God's love for you? How would you spend your money differently if you understood the depth of God's love for you? Because we trust our money to give us value and worth, don't we? How much I have in my account Not that money is bad. It needs to be used. But how do we now trust it more than God's love? Right? Do we spend too much on clothes because that's where we get our value and worth from sometimes? What I wear determines who I am. What I drive determines who I am. What if you trusted God's love for you? How would that difference make in your everyday life? We talk about bullies, right? Why do bullies bully people? What does it do for them? It gives them power. It lifts them up, right? What if they understood God's love for them? Would they need to bully somebody? Would I need to knock somebody down in order to make myself feel more secure? Bullies aren't just kids, though, are they? They occur anywhere and everywhere and it can be overt, and it can be subvert. It can be socially acceptable. It can be non-socially acceptable. I would say at some point in our life, all of us, even now as adults, can act as a bully by demeaning others by the way we act, behave, whatever it might be. We do that because we don't trust the love of God for us revealed in Jesus Christ. It's a mystery. We don't fully understand it. We want it to work one way, and when it doesn't, when the cup of coffee doesn't fill all the way up, it sits in the back of our mind, doesn't it? When it goes falling out the window, we think, forget it, I'm done. I'll go through the motions, but I don't really believe this anymore. And then eventually we stop going. You can see why there's a lot of people. If that's the understanding we have of God, I can understand why most people don't come. Can you? if that is the understanding that we think God works that way, you're not smart enough, strong enough to manipulate God. (laughs) God loves, period. May you come to understand the depth, the richness, the fullness of God's love for you and for all of creation. And may you trust it in your everyday life. Amen. That's the sermon for this week. We hope from it you learned a bit more about God's love for you and the world. Please subscribe and rate our podcast to help us be found by and reach more people. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, you are loved.